Hello, everyone. On today's episode, we will be discussing the HIV takeover. Our main focus will be on the early ages of the HIV epidemic. HIV is an extremely deadly disease that emerged in America in the 1980s, and it has plagued the streets of many different nations. This disease has had an incredibly costly toll on the human population. It has impacted the way people experience the world around them. The disease reinforced disparities amongst various societies and pushed people to their limits. It is incredibly terrifying to be going through another large-scale pandemic so soon after HIV. People who are living through both of these global catastrophes have much insight to offer about the way that both of these diseases manifested. Understanding the response to HIV allows further analysis of the ramifications of the virus. Social media, pop culture, and news transmission have an extremely important role in shaping the responses to epidemics such as HIV and COVID-19, which are similar and different in more ways than one mainly regarding the discourse surrounding the two. We will also dive into the reason conspiracy theories emerge in various populations. Fear of the unknown and distrust of institutions and authority figures was the most common theme amongst the societies where conspiracy theories and rumors emerged during the early ages. For this podcast, I interviewed two individuals, one who lived in New York in the 1980s and one who lived in New Jersey. They are both white males around their mid-60s at the moment. Richard, interviewee number one, had just graduated high school and was in college at the time, and Abe, interviewee number two, was done with college and he was in his mid-20s. These two individuals offered great insight and were able to shape my understanding of the epidemic in the early stages, in the epicenter of the outbreak, which was New York. Richard was personally affected quite a few times from the epidemic. His close friend had died at the start of HIV. He blamed this death on the lack of education and misinformation that existed at the time. Abe, however, was thankfully not directly affected, but he offered great insight into the way the epidemic unfolded and how social media and pop culture played a great role in the transmission of information or the lack thereof. The first topic that we will discuss is basically the differences that exist between HIV and COVID-19. For example, the impact of news transmission and pop culture. HIV and COVID-19 are similar and different in many ways, and people who had to live through both of these disasters have many thoughts about the way both of them manifested. A primary and recurring concept is the role that technology played during both pandemics. During the early ages of HIV, there was no social media or fast-moving news sources. This made it difficult to educate the public about HIV and get the information spread quickly. COVID-19 proves much different in how quickly news gets spread and the way that the spread impacts people's lives. Social media and the internet allow people to jump to their own conclusions very quickly or follow the conclusions of others. COVID-19 cannot be ignored in any way. It is literally constantly in our faces and we are made aware of it so frequently. On the other hand, HIV had a much different course of delivery to the common public. No notifications on iPhones from news sources every 10 minutes with updates. No information provided to the public. 
That's crazy, right? One of the most dangerous diseases was ravaging the earth, the, the streets of America, and there was barely any information educating the public about it. According to the first person I interviewed, Richard, people were afraid to talk about it. They considered it unacceptable and believed that the people who got it deserved it. This is a major difference between COVID-19 and HIV. As people are frantically funneling money into research, prevention, and cures in our current times, HIV remained forgotten, silenced, and flat-out ignored. Richard had stated in his interview that because of the lack of information, people did not know they had it. They were carelessly transmitting HIV. Since the common discourse in the area was that HIV was the gay man's disease, the heterosexual population and women had no idea they had it. Richard's best friend was supposedly involved with a lot of drugs and the wrong crowd. They were both from New York at the time. He got HIV from the woman he was sleeping with, both of whom passed away. Now, this is the issue with the lack of information. Richard said in the interview that this disease was spreading so rapidly and no one really knew the impact it would have on them. By creating this gay-only narrative, precautions for safe sex practices were not carefully practiced and promiscuity ravaged on. In Paula Treichler's article, AIDS, Homophobia, and Biomedical Discourse, an Epidemic of Signification, she states that the gay nature of AIDS was in part an artifact of the way in which data was collected and reported. Even the data that was reported was biased in the gay perspective. Additionally, all the funding was stalled because of the gayness of the disease. According to Treichler, the disease was seen as agents, not victims. The disease was even called GRID, short for Gay-Related Immunodeficiency. As visible, the fact that the news concurrently reported that the disease was more common amongst gay men influenced the behavior of the society. News reports and disinformation have a prominent role in the functioning of the world in the past and in our present. Another topic that showed up in the interviews I conducted was the role of pop culture. Until famous figures such as Magic Johnson and Rock Hudson got HIV and discussed it, HIV was not talked about that much. This is very similar to how influential celebrities are in our current time. Cardi B's initial meme that went viral where she screamed about coronavirus created discussion about the virus and helped people take it more seriously. This goes to show the impact celebrities have and the way pop culture influences our outlook on important events. Although COVID and HIV are extremely different in the way that they are discussed and how resources and care is provided, they are similar in that they both have common biological origins. Richard and Abe, my two interviewees, both said that they heard that HIV came from animals in Africa. Abe said that, the, that some people were discussing that HIV might even be from bestiality. HIV and COVID are both zoonotic diseases that come from human interaction with animals. HIV, according to the documentary, The Killer Virus, comes from chimpanzees in Africa. The transportation of the disease along Africa causes spread of HIV. COVID-19 similarly emerged from bat consumption in a live market in China. Globalization and constant movement with efficient transportation allowed the virus to be spread in a similar but more advanced fashion.
Now we will transition into the second major takeaway, rumors, conspiracy theories, and stigma. We have discussed how HIV was termed the gay disease in large part due to the slow moving technological growth. However, this situation can also be attributed to people coming up with theories to quell their fear and the biases that the society at the time held. It is important to note how the political and social climate can influence the thoughts of the people. Homophobia is by and large still present in our society, but it was more so than ever present back in the 1980s, according to my interviewee, Abe. Abe was in his 20s when he first heard about HIV. At this stage in his life, he was very aware of the public discourse because he experienced the disease the way his friends and family experienced it. Coming from a college setting into a workspace in New York, he was hearing rumors and stereotypes from so many people from all different walks of life. He said that the government was also very anti-gay rights and was silent in the face of the spread of AIDS. With the deafening silence and actions of the government, it was inevitable for the disease to be termed the gay plague, with little attention being paid to the spread of it. Now, just like the people can be supportive of the government, People can also be on the complete opposite spectrum. Gay people in America were being stigmatized and looked at differently. Gay people believed that the government or agents of authority were spreading HIV on purpose, or that they were shutting down the bathhouses to take away their sexual freedom. Because they felt so opposed by the government, people jumped to conclusions to make sense of the world around them. Not only were gay people being discriminated against, racial minorities were also at a high risk for contracting the virus. Rumors even began to spread that the virus was created in a government lab to get rid of all the black people. According to a study done by the NCBI, over 20% of men and 12% of women somewhat or strongly agreed with the previous claim. Because of the racism that existed at such high levels, Black populations felt as though AIDS was the government's doing. Additionally, it was not just black populations who believed in conspiracy theories. The same study by the NCBI reports that conspiracy beliefs among Latinos may have their origin in several sources. Latinos in Texas have historically suffered racism. In the history of Texas, there were more Mexicans lynched than African Americans and this type of oppression becomes part of the collective consciousness of a group of people. Now, at the time, there was a significant mistrust of institutions, even the healthcare system, that led to fear and rumors. There is a similarity to be drawn here between the narratives created in America and the narratives in Indonesia and South Africa. According to Karen Kroger, people started to spread rumors about the alleged AIDS club, the dominant discourse was about the penetration of the skin by a needle. There was just a lingering fear about getting randomly infected by someone in the AIDS club. Indonesian AIDS club rumors reflect serious concerns about the disorder in the Indonesian body politic, about the breakdown of social order, and about the misuse of Indonesian bodies by an increasingly coercive and repressive state. All of these issues show that there was serious mistrust of institutions and authority. Not only were people uncomfortable with the government, they were also wary about modernization and the sophisticated new urban lifestyle. People were avoiding malls, theaters, and game rooms because the AIDS club rumored attacks were happening here. 
So they felt that those are the places that should be avoided. Not only were rumors and theories about AIDS spreading in America and in Indonesia, but South Africa was a hotspot for conspiracy theories as well. According to Niehaus in his article, South African Conspiracy Theories, he explains how there were differences in opinions among men and women. Women correctly believed at the time that disease conta was contained in blood, semen, vaginal fluids, and was transmitted by sex, touching blood with open scabs, needles, and it was also transmitted to babies. They even regarded condom use and HIV testing as extremely important. However, the women tended to blame the spread of the virus on the men in South Africa, who oppressed women, who were careless, and who engaged in unscrupulous sexual conduct. They basically said AIDS is the men's fault, according to Niehaus. In this situation, the women recognized the gender inequality and the dominance of the males. They were vulnerable to HIV and they blamed it on the men because that is how they experienced the men in their society. On the other hand, men had a completely different view of HIV. Men's discourses about AIDS was framed by political rather than biomedical paradigms. They tried to justify masculine domination by opposing teachers, not reading, watching soccer rather than soap operas on TV. According to Niehaus, men blamed the translocal Asians for the pandemic, expressing their discontent with persistent social inequality and racism. They were also extremely angered by the humiliating expulsion of men from, the South, from South Africa's labor force. Essentially, men and women came to believe completely different theories because of their day-to-day their day -day experiences. All these rumors and theories lead back to fears about the way of life and the people in power. Narratives that emerge during times like this must be seriously analyzed and understood because they provide information about the common public and their feelings at the time. being said, from the interviews I conducted and the various articles we discussed, it is evident that the early ages of HIV were riddled with fear and tales to quell the fear. People's minds and bodies were getting accustomed to the way the government and the institutions in authority handled the disease and its effects on various societies. Homophobia in America was a major cause of the slowed response to the disease. The lack of technology perpetuated the ignorance. Although there are many differences between the pandemic we are currently facing and the epidemic that began in our not so distant past, we can learn much from our history to create a better present and future. History tends to repeat itself and the human race must find ways to understand how to prevent the same fate from repeating. We must work together to fight the common enemy that is the virus. As a collective, it is inevitable for a dichotomy to exist and manifest in people's opinions of the world. However, with proper information, education, and prevention methods, healthcare and treatment must be the ultimate priority to save lives. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We'll see you next time.